Hey everybody, you're listening to the Katie Lance Podcast, and in today's episode, we have a very special episode. We talked all about things like politics, being resilient, being an activist, uh, being an anti-racist. We talked about innovative marketing, parenting, and so much more. I'm so excited to welcome to the podcast today two of my dear friends, Kim Colapretti and Shavi Home from Team Diva Real Estate. We had an amazing conversation, and I can't wait for you guys to hear all about it. Let's dive into the show. You're listening to the Katie Lance Podcast. If you're an entrepreneur, social media geek, real estate pro, a mom, or maybe all of the above, and ready to level up your social media game, you're in the right place. Katie Lance here. Welcome to the Katie Lance podcast. I am so excited, you guys. We have a really special episode here today. I am thrilled to welcome two of my really good friends. The Divas are in the house. Team Diva Real Estate, Shavi Home, and Kim Calopretti are here. And we are going to talk about a lot of things today. We're going to talk about Real estate, marketing, we're even going to get into some tough subjects like politics, racism, parenting. We're going to try to hit it all today. So super excited <laughs> to have you guys here today. Welcome, welcome. Oh, yay. Thanks, Thanks Katie. Us. We're so excited to do this with you. Let's do this. <laughs> me too. Me too. I've been wanting to have you guys on the podcast for a while. So I'm, I'm super excited to have you here today. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with the Divas, let me give them a proper introduction. So the Divas, aka Kim and Shavi, are founders and leaders of the very successful real estate estate team, Team Diva Real Estate in Seattle, Washington. Years ago, the Divas wanted to create a real estate movement that better reflected their community. And it was important to the Divas that a Black person can get into real estate and become a top producer, or a young person with a creative background can have a healthy career. And over the years, the Divas have taken this vision and grew a top producing team at Cobble Banker. They've been recognized by Inman News twice for their innovation practices. And in addition to these awards, the Divas have stayed rooted in activism in their community. In 2012, they helped lead the effort to pass marriage equality. And for years, they have brought attention to the growing homeless issues, specifically with LGBTQ youth in Seattle. They also went against their own association to advocate for more funding for education. And over the last few years, the Divas have focused on fundraising, organizing, leading voter mobilization efforts to support disenfranchised voters in our country. Black Lives Matter each and every day. And Team Diva Real Estate realizes that the real estate industry practices have resulted in the displacement of the Black community in Seattle through gentrification and that we conduct business on land that was stolen from the Duwamish people. Team Diva Real Estate, welcome. Thank you for being here today. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. Well, that was a mouthful, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a mouthful. That was a mouthful. I think I stumbled only once, but. <laughs> so I'm super excited to have, have you guys here today. Let's just kind of set the stage for people who do not know you. And I can't imagine anyone in real estate not knowing Kim and Shavi, but for people who don't know you, can you give people a little bit of background? Like how long have you been in business? Um, what does your team look like now? You know, your, your volume in, in business, whatever you want to share. We, we would love to kind of just set the stage there. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I started in real estate in 1999 as my little old self, um, just me. I was Seattle's real estate diva and I did business alone for a while. And then in 2008, literally like right before the recession, 
well, hit. Like, I think it was like maybe six months before the for recession. the crash. For the, well, <laughs> the recession had started, but the crash hadn't quite happened yet. Chubby yeah. was like, "I'm going to quit my job at Starbucks and come work with you." I was like, "Great idea, honey." <laughs> it, was, it was kind of a very dramatic moment. Like it I was couldn't. Pretty dramatic. Kim was working out. I couldn't get a hold of her, and in like that thirty minutes, I had quit my job and packed out my desk, and I was like, "I'm done." <laughs> So, I'm out of here. Like, that was our health insurance. <laughs> like, yeah. So then we like, you know, uh, stumbled along trying to be Kim and assistant. And I was like, well, that's not working because no. Javi like broke every, uh, you know, every printer and the laminating machine and the copy machine. Like she like was like, I'm not an assistant material. And I'm yeah. like, I know you're also not. back then real estate was so antiquated. I was God, like, totally. We're still faxing like, stuff. Fax machine. <laughs> How do you? How do I change the paper? Yeah. So yeah. then we and, became Team Diva. Yeah, and we just like I think during the recession specifically, like I read this article at the beginning of the Great Recession that I thought was really powerful. It basically, was like if you are able to continue to invest in your community during tough times, you will come out of it stronger. I was like, well, that's just what we're gonna do. And so for like you know four solid years there, all we did was like community stuff. We just, I mean, we invested in our community. We invested in our brand. We invested, like, we just did a ton of stuff, you know, to innovate and to take on social media and take on blogging and take on content marketing and do a lot of things that I think at the time, a lot of people weren't doing And it's been interesting. I think that practice of resilience was really helpful at the the beginning of the pandemic. It, It just meant that we were able to, you know, because at that point, like, it's, it's no longer just the Kim and Chavi show. It's like, there's like, we have six, seven people, seven that we're people. Supporting. Yeah. We're also hiring a bunch of people, which we haven't announced yet. So like, <laughs> you so, can like, announce it here. We're on the team now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was really interesting because I think through the recession, one of the things that um, I, I think because I was transitioning from a single agent to a team with Chavi and we were kind of already remaking our business like okay well I can't what Kim was doing alone is not what Kim and Chavi are doing together it was really easy for us to just throw everything out the window and start over again and then pivot and be like nimble and bouncy as our astrologer likes to say (laughs) like really be like okay what's not working and what new can we pick and choose to work? And that really kept us from getting stuck in the rut of, well, this used to work, but it's not working, but I'm just going to keep doing it because yeah. it used to work. And and was, we just, yeah, it just the it same, kept us like, you know, ahead of the game from really. other folks. I and think. I would say the same thing happened to us as well. Like in 2019, Kim and I became guardians of our niece Quinlan. And, um, and it really, we had, we saw a dramatic drop in our business and there was just, you know, it's, it's like when you have been workaholics for your entire real estate career, and now you have to end your real estate time at three o'clock in the afternoon. So you can be present. It is a dramatic shift. Right. <laughs> like, Especially a teen that's not yours. Yeah. So we, we had to like, we had to really rework a bunch of stuff. So that fall of 2019, I mean, I know Katie, you came and you did a big like revamp with us, like here in Seattle. Um, we also ha- hired a financial coach and we hired Marguerite uh, Martin, who also helped us like kind of really resort and, re- and coach us through like working more in our strengths. And so when we went into 2020, 
we already had a plan that, of how we were going to do something different, but hands down. Once I again, think, we were ahead of the game because yeah, we were like, oh, our lives have been disrupted yeah. already. And that disruption had nothing to do with COVID. So we were already in yeah. like a position to revamp and, and reevaluate our finances and how we were running the business and personal lives, and our personal lives. So it made going into COVID not as like, shocking for us yeah. right and also because we survived the recession and we had to do all this a while ago we were like oh well we're just going to do this all over again right yeah. figure it <laughs> out here we go again <laughs> right here we go again <laughs> so, so last year like we ended up as a team having one of our best, best years. years ever we were it, we did a little shy of 1.9 million about 1.9 yeah in, a little shy of 2 million in gci which like is gross commission income and i know people do it by volume but i always like count i, I kind of want to know what's actually going to hit the bank account <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, like volume, you could do whatever you want volume wise but yeah like, so. that's um, the true number yeah, that exactly. is the true number yeah, yeah. So it was I mean, and like just like like for perspective that was a I think it was almost a 27% increase in our business. And, and I know not every, not everyone may, was able to make that same pivot. So, or as like quickly as Kim and I and our team were able to, and then our team, like to respect your question. So in 2013, um, Roy and Rocky, well, Roy started just like quietly as like a rent guru person and Rocky joined our team. Um, Roy got his license officially in 2014 uh, and started. And then I think it was in 2015, that summer of 2015, Michael's, uh, Michael came on started board. as the Diva Desk dude. And then and he, he has transitioned to like five different jobs yeah, since he's been there. Now he's a listing manager. He's a listing manager. And then we hired Remington At two years ago, beginning of 2018. And now we're in the process of possibly hiring, probably hiring another, another agent team and then, member. And then we have like three other positions we're filling, which is just, you know, trying to get back. Like, yeah. How do you parent in COVID? Right. Like, can't do all the things anymore. We managed to do all this business without a transaction coordinator. And I'm like, we really need someone to manage our files for us. That's just something we have to do at this point in the game. So absolutely. Well, I think what's interesting among all of this, you know, one of the ways that I've, I've always really related to you guys is you, you know, your partners in life and your partners in business and Paul and I are the same way, right, yeah. you know, has, you know, that could be probably be a whole nother podcast <laughs> as well. Uh, I should bring Paul on next time. <laughs> we can have a true conversation, but you know, has that, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Like, has that, um, you know, how has it been working together? I mean, as a, you know, as a couple at like, you know, for, I think for some people, some people go will say to me, I could never work with my husband or I could never work with my wife or I could never work with my, my spouse or my partner. And um, I mean, I have my own thoughts about that, but I'd love to hear <laughs> your thoughts about yeah. that. I, mean, I, think, I think it has its pros and cons. I mean, I think yeah. the, the, the con, I'm talking about the cons first, at least from my perspective, yeah. is that it's really hard for you to not talk about work all the yeah. time when you I agree partner, right yeah. I mean it's like like I will like you know be in bed at night and I'll be like Chavi I just had this great idea or what do you want to do about that thing tomorrow and she's like oh my god it is 11 o'clock right. we don't talk about that. 
yeah. boundaries. We need boundaries. Boundaries, <laughs> right? And I, I think it's a little bit easier to have boundaries. Like, so pre-COVID, um, it was really easy to have boundaries because, like, we had a physical office right. space, right? So, right. But in July, we closed down our office permanently, um, and and moved and we moved our office home. And so then you just like it's just a it's a really messy, right? So I mean, it, like this last year in particular, like I think it was really. I mean, I don't think there's a relationship that didn't go. That didn't struggle, right? Yeah. During this, during this yeah. I, mean, I mean, when you're already working together all the time, and now like you don't even have a physical space that's work because yeah. that physical space mm-hmm. is your basement yeah. or your a second or bedroom room, or, or your room. dining room, right? It's like really yeah. hard. But I think the positives of working with your partner is like that, like you have that dynamic tension of being in a relationship and knowing each other really well and being able to really like turn that like partnership support um you know that that passion and that tension you have for each other into something really special yeah. that yeah. people who are not you know yeah. life partners well, might we not have we were talking about it last night something like um i think it was about like we were talking about creativity like why do we keep on I can't remember what the subject was. Oh, I think I received another realtor's like email newsletter. And I was like, look at all this text. Like, who is like, what, what is like, you know, it's hard for me to like, I want, like, I want other realtors to be really successful at marketing. And it's really hard when I sometimes get, and I was like, why is this so hard? And, and Kim and I were like, oh, well, Kim is a perfectionist. And I like, am like super nerdy and will just dive into a subject that I'm particularly interested in. And, and so there's like kind of that, and that's like where that tension comes up. It's like, oh, it's like, okay, well, what is the best product we can create within this like particular yeah. genre? We're almost like the perfect couple yeah. because Chavi is great at like the detail marketing, like figuring out how to do stuff. And I'm really good at wanting things to be pretty yeah. and perfect. <laughs> and like, like wanting to be like, well, this should look more like, like we're both like really good at like balancing each other and creating that like level of like, okay, this is not good enough for either of us. So how are we going to get it? How are we going to get it from here to here? You know, yeah. how are we going to get it the next right. level up? Right. And yeah. I think you're not, if you partner with someone as just a partner in real estate, you might not be partnering with someone who's forcing you to grow in the way that you need to grow, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, also, I'm also a big believer in like introverts and extroverts, right? Like I'm a big believer, <laughs> like Kim is an extrovert and I always test out as an ambivert. So like I could be introverted and I could be extroverted given the situation. And I just like, I think it's just like kind of understanding what the other person strengthen and trying not to like, mm-hmm. I think sometimes we do things or play out situations in personal relationships is just us playing out like childhood trauma, like, and, and maybe just be like, Oh, this person is really good at that. And I need just to honor that. Yeah. Right. I don't need to right. also get as this. And that's right. like, at least the successful relationships that I'm seeing in right. real estate. <laughs> well, and that's like, <laughs> so and I have transitions a lot, which a lot of people might not know to different roles. So we used to both just be like power, like team agents together, but now Chavi is purely doing, marketing backend stuff and, and I'm like do and operations and I'm doing and I'm like the the front listing facing person. person for all the listings and higher end deals um and also like working with the inbound folks to get them to the other you know to distribute them to the team so we're basically like really separating our roles and working on what we both do best 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think the key is is kind of living in your zone. (laughs) I mean, like you're an extrovert, Katie, you totally get it. Like you love being in front of the camera. (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) I'm like an extroverted introvert. (laughs) You're an introvert. (laughs) You're like choppy. Exactly. Um, But you and Paul have different roles, right? But you both are, but but you support each other and it's powerful together, you know, but you're very different roles. And I think that's, what Chavi and I have tried have figured out is that we thrive doing these separate things together, as opposed to both trying to do the same thing together. <laughs> right, right. Like <laughs> <laughs> it, it comes from a, a a I don't know a place of maturity when you get to that point of like, okay, you're good at that, I'm good at this. Let's stay exactly. in our own zone. In our lanes, right? You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. All right. So I want to, I want to kind of turn the conversation a little bit because you both, I think one of the things I've always really long admired about both of you is just how passionate you are about your local community, about politics, about activism, about speaking out against racism, about just, you know, and it's, it's so baked into who you are, right? I don't see the separation of like who you are personally. And then like, you know, your real estate business over there. And like this, this is definitely, as you know, a, a very hot button issue <laughs> in our yeah. space. Yeah. And on a personal level, you've really inspired me over oh. the last really few years to, to take a stand, to be a little bit more vocal, which, yeah. you know, has been uh, definitely going outside my comfort zone. So first oh, off, I just want to thank you uh, yeah. for that. You can't see this, but Kim's tearing up a little. A little. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I'm always happy to hear people say that they, not that we inspire them, but that they feel that motivation inside to yeah. like yeah. take a step, right? Into being yeah. active, right? Absolutely. It's, I think it's, I think it's really important. And so I would love to kind of hear you, both of you talk a little bit about how it's, how it's impacted your business. Why is this important to you? You know, what, and, and just whatever you, whatever you're comfortable saying, as far as just all of these, I realized that there was a lot of issues we just threw out there, but yeah. Um, yeah. Well, two things. I don't think a lot of people really know because um, for like this last year in particular, it was really, I struggled a lot with like this election so important. These issues are so important like, why haven't people caught up yet? And then like, and I'll yeah. be honest, both you and Paul have been so inspiring to me. And I was like, it, I was like, it really kind of like helped to nurture. So like when I was feeling really, really down and like really depressed about what was going on and, and like had to kind of still show up, I was like, okay, they're still out there doing it. Like I could do this as well. And so like, I think it's like, but I don't think people really know that Kim and I actually met doing HIV AIDS work before the drugs had come out. And it's interesting because uh, Dr. Fauci was one of the major influencers. Oh, during the AIDS epidemic. During yeah. the AIDS epidemic mm, to get right. to like pay, say like, this is a real issue. We need to pay attention to it. And so it's, it is really interesting to kind of see the full circle of this. But um, so at the time, like, you know, you, we would have like clients and friends and people passing away. And it just felt like this, like such a like it just felt so personal, right? Like you're like, especially when you're newly out and it's the nineties and there's not the, it wasn't the same acceptance. I mean, we didn't even have yeah. email back then. No, my God, right? <laughs> so like, social media. Like, <laughs> it's a whole nother world in the nineties. Yeah, These youngs don't know. Like, um, so, so yeah, so like, I think it like, and we've talked about this with some of our clients too, like who, like we knew back then and 
um, I was like, oh, like, I think those early activist days of like LGBTQ, like activism days, like is so baked into your survival that you don't know a life without it, right? Yeah. You literally yeah. had to be an activist in order to survive. Yeah. And um, if you're going to be an out person during a you time, can't really not it is illegal be. to be an out person. Right. And I think also what people don't know about Chavi and I both is that like a lot of people see this Team Diva being political and outspoken and they don't understand that that that's not a it's not a marketing ploy no. it's not a, something that yeah. we decided to do to get attention like Chavi and I both come from spaces of starting to be activists pretty young I mean Chavi's aunt was taking her to pro-choice rally or grandmother, grandmother when she was 10 and my family wasn't political but I became political very early in my college career and was like you know chaining myself to the federal building to you know to protest apartheid and the first gulf war <laughs> which most people probably don't even remember um you know so like I grew up as an activist I remember it you remember yeah, it right I can't even remember it right and like to me getting into real estate was like really hard because I was transitioning from this activist political policy HIV AIDS act up community to being what I thought was corporate. And it was a, that was actually a challenge for me. And I always felt uncomfortable yeah. trying to squash that part of myself. So not doing that was almost impossible to do. Um, and then with Chavi and I together, um, being a lesbian queer couple in business, in real estate, it was almost like, I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like this is part of who we are. And if people can't accept that, then they're not the right people for us. And then when the, the marriage equality issue in Washington started, we really decided that we needed to be as vocal and, and supportive of that issue as possible and to take a stand on it. And we threw big fundraisers and raised a bunch of money. And our community was like right on. So we're like, look, this is not negative. This yeah. is a, this is what people want to see from Kim and Chavi and the divas. They want to yeah. see this. Yeah. And then just kind of transitioning, I think a little bit to like black lives, like, you know, like the, cause there are, there are a lot of like, there are a lot of white LGBTQ people that feel like because they are gay or lesbian or queer, like that they um, are not racist. That they're not racist, but even though that they will be like, oh, I don't want to live in that black neighborhood because I, I want to feel safe. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, and I've gotten that before. And I'm just like, it, it like, like from other clients, and you're like, oh, how do you navigate this? And this is like before there was like conversations around that. And I think it's like a little bit like, because people ask us, like, oh, why, like, why do you know so much about this? Or why is this so passionate? And I was like, you kind of like, if you like, we've always been really involved in the art world and, and it's always been something that's been really interesting to us. And, um, and I, and I do think that like, like we go back to some of your early clients, like Isaac and Rossmi were so like, like introduced us to like, I would say a lot of like current leaders in the Seattle black community, like from the arts community and the arts community from an early perspective. So like, it's just kind of been like, I was like, oh, this is something that's really interesting well, or also like when, important. When you have team members of color, um, which that, we have two team members of color currently and we're. Um, interviewing someone to possibly join the team who's also a woman of color and you are with them and you see, see how they're treated how they're treated differently and you hear about the you know microaggressions or I'm not even going to call them microaggressions because I think as um, uh, 
So outright, it's outright, you know, like okay. we call them microaggressions because that it sounds us, nice to white people, but right. like to our it's team, a fancy right. word, right? Yeah. They're just aggressions. Like, yeah. and you yeah. see this kind of constant, um, ill behavior, you know, bad behavior and how they're treated differently or how people have, um, opinions about what kind of clients they have or whether they're good agents or they have to behave differently or they'll be, ostracized or treated differently, it really starts to like, you you see that every single day when you have team members that you're working with over and over again, how it impacts them and how it impacts their clients. And it really starts to like, like eat at you, eat at you. Right. Yeah. And and just recently, like, um, back in, you know, when we could still have brokers open, like I did supporting like our team member Remington and who's black and, uh, we walked into this, like, and also Remington in general, like, has, like, at the time I was still doing transactions, but he had, like, uh, he has a sphere that's a way higher end sphere than, like, than I had and uh, at the time. And so we were touring specifically in a neighborhood he lives in that he has friends who live in. And we were walking out of this house that I was like, God, this house is ugly. I was thinking in my head and the agent turns to Remington and, and I'm in my workout clothes and he's in a suit. And he and the agent turns to Remington and she says, Do you even have any clients that can afford this house? And I'm like, Oh my gosh. I was like, I was like, Remington, that's so racist. Like when we got outside, like she was so racist. And he was like, Oh, yeah, it happens. I was like, but you have friends who live here. He's like, I know. Like, and I was like, I was like, you don't wow. like, like just like, but I mean, I think when you see that every yeah. day, when that happens to you every day, because it happens yeah. to Remington and Rocky on a regular basis that people make inappropriate <laughs> comments like that to them. And at some point you, you, if as a person of color, or at least this is what our friends of color have told us at some point, you have to just shut down that part of yourself that gets angry or upset or irritated. Because if you didn't, you would be living on this level of like, just feeling uh, like, you know, aggravated and yeah. angry all the time. Cause sometimes it's, it's constant. Yeah. You know, it's constant. And so seeing that with our team members and hearing about it really, and and we're already activists, like we're already motivated to support Mm -hmm. people in the community that are um, to support our community and support people that aren't, you know, social justice and equality. That's already where we're at in our lives anyway, that getting involved in the black lives matter movement in the small way that we were involved, let's be honest, like, you right. know. And, and they're still involved. And they're I mean, still like, involved. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think it just like, seemed like a no brainer to yeah. us. Like, how can we not do this? Totally. And so yeah. one of the things like last year specifically, I mean, I was having conversations with Ann Jones and uh, she's like, you know, Rocky and Remington success is that, that is their liberation, like them being successful. And I was like, Oh, this is so interesting. Like, how can I create a system where more like, like we're more um, younger people of color who want to come to this business can be successful. Like, what is the, what are the things that I learned that I can like teach or like that Kim and I can pass on, or what are the transactions that we can like literally give to other agents that might be struggling during COVID because, you know, we generate a lot of clients. Yeah. And how can we mentor people of color mentor people? specifically to raise them up yeah. in this business? Exactly. Because they're not getting the support. Yeah. I mean, I, I think not the they're not getting the support that other agents get. And I don't mean that in a specific, I I think it's hard because I think this industry is designed to make you feel insecure. Yes. (laughs) It's also, it's designed to fit a certain mold, right? Like you, 
assume that when you become a real estate agent, that you have a sphere of people who have enough wealth or enough, or this is your second, or this career. is your second career mm-hmm. that you are, that if you just reach out to your sphere, that sphere will bring you business. But if you come from a community where, where your family or the people you worked with or the people you surrounded yourself with didn't have generational wealth, didn't right. have family wealth, yeah. don't have um, jobs where they can afford to buy a house in Seattle in particular, which is ridiculous, then how do you just rely on your sphere to bring you business? And and it's really difficult to for this industry to look outside the box sometimes when they're doing these basic trainings for new agents, yeah, right? I mean, we get this all the time. I was like, well, can you ask some of your black team members to join my diversity commu- like oh, committee? Gee. I'm like, no, I'm not going to ask you <laughs> unless you pay them. Like they, right. they have to work twice as hard to be- like, To get business and to, get to be business. successful. And then you want them to volunteer for your diversity. Right, they want to volunteer, <laughs> right? No, yeah. I'm ask them to be the token person of color yeah, in your right. all white diversity group. Yeah, um, yeah so that- Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Kim <laughs> and I started a, like, um, we basically just started a mentorship program out of our branch. And we were able to, like, a lot of, it was it was five women? Five, six five, women. Six yeah. women, yeah. And we just, like, started, we we ran them, like, like I'm a very systems-oriented type of person. I was like, this is how you do a buyer intake. This is how you show homes. This is how you, th- this is the communication you have if you're reviewing a title report. And, um and just like, and then also like from a mindset standpoint, like we did a lot of trainings and then Kim would do like in the field mentorship. And so far, each one of those women has like been able to close a transaction. Oh, like, some, one of, and, a couple of them yeah. have been super successful last year. And then one of them we're actually mentoring to join the team because yeah. she's so amazing. She's so good. So, yeah, awesome. so it ended up being like and the now, now rookie we can, of the year. Rookie of the year, right. One was rookie of the year. Yeah. That's great. The only problem with adding a girl to the team is that we can't call the dudes the diva dudes anymore because y'all are not just dudes. They're dudes and dudettes, right? Exactly. <laughs> So but yeah, I feel we're like we're excited about that. Yeah, so that's awesome. Well, I feel like that's a, a, a good transition to talk about or just to kind of get your opinion about, you know, agents or, or just people in general who are listening to this going, well, that all sounds great that, you know, you're doing all this, you know, you developed a mentorship program and, you know, you're active in, you know, in, in this and that, but like, what about me? Like, where do I start? Right. Oh, and that's a really and good I, question. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people feel like, I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I I think a lot of people for so long have separated like personal business and they feel like, you know, am I just like dipping my toe into the water and is it going to look, you know, how's it going to look like, what are the optics, you know, or am I going to get messages from people saying, I don't want to hear that from you. <laughs> right. Well, or, I mean, to be honest, like I, can I like, um, I think Marguerite kind of pointed this out, like, and I think I've like articulated this to you too, Katie, is that like, it it takes way more risk to be a Katie Lance and to be political than it takes for us to be political. For us to be political, right? I mean, people already assume because you're queer and you're from Seattle that you, (laughs) yeah, like, no, it's no big deal if you're political, right? So, Mm -hmm. and I I don't want to discount the negative pushback that will happen. Sure. And what I love, but what I always like to come back to and kind of center around is like the personal is political and the, act of doing real estate is political. We belong to right. the most powerful association right. in the nation. That's super political. That's super political. And takes stands on issues politically all the time and supports politicians with money that we give them all the time. So right. just being a member of the National Association of Realtors is a, a political act. It's a political right? act. I yeah. mean, your, your association 
is using your name to give money to people that you may or may not agree with. Right. And how can we as realtors, how can other people as realtors just blindly give our money and let that money go to support people that might be racist, yeah. might be homophobic, <laughs> might be anti-choice if we're or, women or, or even or, worse, like try to like, try to like cause an insurrection and like, right, and, cause and, an insurrection. And, and, and like literally vote against, um, like the, like certifying an election. I mean, these are big issues. And I, yeah. and unfortunately, like, um, I mean, I personally struggle, like, like I try to be mindful that not everyone is a, a born activist. Mm-hmm. And I also struggle with the lack of, so I get a lot of private messages sometimes when I speak up in a group, it's like, oh, I totally agree with you. I'm like, well, you know what? I'm the only one person who's like speaking up right now. Yeah. And, and, and at the same time, I under, like, I have to understand and center the fact that like, that it's a privilege. I have a really high producing team. I have put structures in place well, to and, produce a lot of money. And you know, to be honest, we also have to acknowledge the fact that even though we're queer, we're also white. Yeah. Exactly. And we're white women and we're middle class. And mm-hmm. it is a very different perspective to be a white person making right. these statements than to be a person of color making these statements or to be someone Absolutely. who is not in an urban environment making yeah. these statements. I know we like I remember a few years ago we were at a um, genuine hustle in Tacoma and Amy Curtis was talking about like her struggle living in a very conservative community, but feeling so compelled to talk about the election, this was four years ago, the election um, and the politics and how like, just like, how like scary and difficult it was. And I totally understand that it is really hard when you're not, you know, in our environment to make that stand. But also at some point it feels like you have to get that. There's, there's this myth that is ingrained in us as realtors that I think we need to start busting that, that being vocal about things that impact your community because you are part of that community you actually influence that community every day by selling houses to people yeah Yeah. and to be afraid to speak out on things that impact the community where your clients are living and working and you know trying to get by every day that the fact that you're afraid to take a stand on issues that impact them because you don't want it to impact your pocketbook I understand where that comes from, but I also feel like we have to, we have to challenge that myth because yeah. I think I it's a myth that's been imposed on us by, by, you know, white people in charge of the realtors. And they're like, oh, you can, you have to be neutral. Well, but we're, but we're going to make these political decisions. But we're going to make, right. <laughs> right. So like, right. like, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, and a really good example of this is like when we, when the National Association of Realtors sent out their apology regarding the fact that they weren't supporting fair, the Fair Housing Act when it passed in 1968. That very same day, they did an unprecedented thing and they opened up the RPAC dollars to defeat a black candidate in Georgia. Right. I mean, and someone, I mean, so like, so at that point, I'm like, you know what? That apology is null and void. It's null and void. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything well, if you don't want to actually do the actions of like supporting. So like kind of coming back to your question is like the like as far as stuff, I do think like um, specifically for women, like if they could read white fragility and really start to un- just unpack how misogyny has had probably a huge influence on their own personal lives. And that and, book was so eye-opening for me. I think you recommended yeah. that. A few people recommended it this summer. And I was like, I had a highlighter. I felt like I went back to school. I was like, 
I had to take yeah. a moment like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, yeah. well, it all in. If you can make it through White Fragility, <laughs> I think reading um, How to Be an Anti-Racist it's by also, Abram Kindy is the next big yeah. step because that book is even more eye-opening because it really comes from a perspective of uh, a person of color talking about racism and what it means to be anti-racist. Yeah. And I think people... They assume if they're not racist that they're anti-racist, and that's not the same thing. Right. Um, so. And then I and I think the thing is is that just read up on the facts, right? Yeah. Like and and just like know. So the thing. So I've been noticing this. I've been participating more in like more of these. Uh, more of my local associations, government affairs, because I was like, this is where policy is being made that impacts my community. And I think it's important for me to know. And it's really interesting to me, like the language that's used a lot of times to make justifications to like, let's say not fund, um, to not provide any funding for homeless people. It's like a really good example. And it's just like, it's like, right now it's pretty easy to speak up in the comments. And like, I'm not really like, so like just being like, hey, I just disagree with this. Like, can we have a moment to talk about it? And, and, and I'm not saying you won't be challenged. Like someone did make a complaint to my managing broker like uh, in December when I basically was like, why is this person who is a known racist uh, like is on, is like, why is this person at this meeting? This person is a huge, is like, wants to basically dismantle like the black community in Seattle. They're a police, like they're in the police union. They, there's the, new, head, of the, the head of the police union. There's like, numerous like stories out there about how this person has been incredibly like violent towards like the BLM protesters. Like, why are we, why are we endorsing this person? And someone did like, called my managing broker and wanted to make an anonymous complaint. And the thing is, is that if you just like, I'm always, and I say this about like, you're already in real estate. You're already surrounding yourself with a core group of people who need to support you. Cause it's a, it's an emotionally taxing position to be in. Like just, you just have to keep coming back to that. Yeah. Like, what is my, what is my resource? What is my resilience? Yeah. But I also think it's super important to realize that there are a ton of people out there that are not going to do that. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, mm -hmm. What I think, when people think about what it means to be an activist, I think they think of people like Chavi and I. We're yeah. outspoken, we're vocal, we march in the streets, we do, but but that's not what activism has to be. You can be a quiet activist. I mean, writing a letter to your congressperson or your legislator or your mayor or your city council person, that's activism. Right. And it doesn't always have to be all over social. I mean, no, there's a lot of things that don't social. happen on social. Yes. Media. And it's like an activism is something it's kind of like we were talking about this earlier. It's like a muscle. Like if yeah. you've never used it, you have to kind of build it. Right. And that means taking yeah. small steps of saying, OK, I'm not ready to be, you know, protesting in the street, fist in the air, you know. <laughs> Been, but I could write a letter. Like you could, could write a there. letter, right? Yeah. I could pick up yeah. the phone and leave a message yeah. from my city council person yeah. or my congressperson or my legislator about an issue that's super important to me and that impacts my community. You know, I could read a book and educate yes. myself, right? I could read White Fragility or How to Be an Anti-Racist or How to Talk About Race by Joma Lua. I can read these books and become educated. That's activism. Like yeah. educating yourself is part of activism. I also think just talking to your kids about like what it talking means to, to kids, right, have yeah, privilege. Yeah. I mean, right now, like, I mean, it's pretty heartbreaking, like what's happening in the South, like, and it's completely iced over. They're losing electricity. Like there are a lot of people who don't have resources. Right. And uh, like, just like talking to your kids about like why it's so important to be empathetic to people who have less than we do. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, talking to well, your kids 
talking yeah, to so, your friends or community. Right, go ahead. Sorry. Keep yeah. I mean, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, you know, it's, it's kind of about what back to you, what you said a little while ago, Kim, about how this isn't like, this isn't like a marketing thing. Like you're not doing this, <laughs> you know, to like, because it's going to look good on a postcard or, <laughs> you know, because it'll make a great, you know, social media post. So that's actually probably a good segue because I know that there's a, per, there's a percentage of people who listen to this podcast who are interested in marketing, who are curious yeah, right. about it. And so you like how I did that transition? I like this idea. Yeah, nice so, <laughs> you know, obviously you've had, you guys have had a lot of success, lots of ups and downs over the years. It, when we, when we think about marketing, is there maybe one or two things that you think have made a really big impact in your, in your bottom line? I mean, it, it could be, I know activism isn't necessarily marketing, but that's also so baked into what you do. Well, so I do say like we did hire you in the fall. Of <laughs> that made a big difference. <laughs> made a really significant like improvement. And, and I'm we're not just saying that. She <laughs> asked us on the podcast. It's full disclosure, the divas were a client. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, we asked you specifically because we're like, we, we're, stuck. We're, we're stuck and we need to get past like this, this level that we were at. And it was, and I think it's, if you're already doing the kind of marketing we're doing and you're already in social media, having someone like you to really get us, give us the, like the down deep dive into how we can get that step up was super yeah. Super helpful but for us. I think the thing about marketing is like, have a plan, be consistent. Content calendar, as Katie said. Yeah, have a content calendar, <laughs> be consistent, and know when to like dial it back when no one wants to talk about real estate. Like yeah. there are there are moments that yes. where people just like, and then like show up. And like the best thing you can do in marketing is like really kind of show up. The other thing I think that people don't do enough of that I think is really beautiful Um is like really like show off your clients. Like, why are they so rad? Like, what do they don't yeah. talk about yourself so much, but like really talk or your about your listings or your listings, like tell a story about the community your listing is in, or tell your- a story about the seller, even like do something that's like a little bit more um, like, cause I think like, I mean, this was a just little like, bit just like personal. I mean, I think storytelling is always super effective in marketing. And I think when you talk about the story behind your client and yeah. their journey, not yeah. how successful you were in selling that house, but their journey. Not how great you were. You helped them in that journey, but it was their yeah. journey, right? Totally, not yeah. yours. You and know, I, I think Sharon Steele in New Jersey does a really oh, amazing, she does. she's like so good. Like, and it's just her and like, yeah. she has like a marketing assistant and like a, like real estate assistant. And, but she does like she is so rooted in her community. She she is constantly highlighting her clients. She's putting her clients on her blog and her Instagram account. And she's just making the story about them. She's consistently making the story about yeah. them. She also supports local artists by having those beautiful postcards, postcards and- done by different artists every year and sending them out. And, you know, that's something that we also try and do. We partially learned it from Sharon, but we've also been doing it because we have so many artist friends is really finding artist friends to create cool art that we can give as gifts to our clients. Um, and we, we always try and support the arts community because that's very important yeah. to us. But I think the interesting thing that Chavi mentioned to go back to the marketing piece, like the six, I think one of the things that we've noticed uh, is that people get so intent on this um, set level of marketing so I think having a content calendar is obviously super important and it's important that you follow a plan. But I also feel like one of the things I noticed a lot last year is that the, the um, how do I call it? Like you're so unintuned with the zeitgeist of what's happening in the world <laughs> that you're posting stuff 
that is just irrelevant. Yeah, like wow. tone deaf, right? You're just totally right. Tone, deaf. tone deaf. That's it. The yeah. world is crashing around you, and you're pretending that want to buy a house, sell a house. Right. Yeah, want to sell a house? It's recipe time. Don't forget to put the batteries in your like. I'm like, okay, people. It is time to really change time. the clocks. Right. It's really time for 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 realtors and those that are doing higher level marketing to understand that if the zeitgeist in the community is not on that and they're just banging people over the head with like real estate stuff when no one cares. Yeah. Right. You got to read the room. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right, read the room. Right. Yeah. I see. I know. And I think that's the one thing. And not to toot our own horn, but I think that's one thing Chavi and I do really well is we, because yeah. we're not solely focused on self-promotion and the real estate we do, we're focused on the community and who we are as people and who our team is as people and, and the quirky stuff that happens behind the scenes and, and the politics and the, you know, the activism work and what's happening, you know, nationally or locally that we're less we're more flexible in being able to say, you know what, we should not, like last year was Team Diva's 10th year anniversary and it happened in the middle of Black Lives Matter. I was like, this is not about this us. This is not about us. Like <laughs> us posting, what, we're 10 years old, is that great? It's like, like let's no table sense. that. Yeah. Right. Well, let's let's celebrate that. our 11th anniversary. You know, and then Roy and I were doing this Roy and Kim show and we really decided like, okay, we like sitting here in the middle of this total like blossoming of activism around Our the city. Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd's death and the death of Breonna Taylor and sitting in a Facebook and talking about like inspections <laughs> made no sense to us. And it's not what we wanted to talk about. So we're like, we're just going to talk about what's really passionate to us. And that's what's yeah. happening in our universe. Right. Um, so we just totally shifted and started talking to people like Dave Jones and, you know, people from our local community and who Marlon are running Brown Marlon, and- our friend Marlon, who works with, um, you know, BLM Seattle King County and, and really just changing the tone and being like, this is what's important to us. Yeah. And it might not be real estate related, but we don't really care. Our community yeah. wants to hear about what's important to them, not yeah. about whether you should pre-inspect a house or not. Now, <laughs> you know, we are still talking about that stuff at various times when it makes sense, because we are realtors and we do want to educate our clients. That's your livelihood. And- it's our livelihood, but it's yeah. that fine line between being like so committed to the plan or to the marketing that you're not thinking about what's happening in the universe and being conscious of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. All right. Well, I want to, I've got one last question. We're going to bring it all back around about a lot of things, but the last thing I wanted to ask you is about parenting because in the midst of all of this craziness in the world, like you're parenting a a tween, a teen, teen, teen. She's She's officially a teen. Yes. (laughs) 14 going on 40, as I like to say. (laughs) And you mentioned earlier how you had to shift, you know, as far as like your, work hours and, you know, just obviously it's such a huge, a huge shift. So how are you getting through that? Do you have any tips you'd like to share? I know there's a lot of parents who uh, <laughs> listen to the podcast also. <laughs> well, like, I mean, like first off, like uh, Kim and I, uh, when, when Quinlan moved in with us when she was 11, like we didn't have really even have friends who had kids. So like, we, like, we, like, it was like kind of like a, I was like, oh, you you need to eat on a regular basis. <laughs> like, like well, the good thing is she was out of diapers. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. 
But I, oh my God, the funniest story is that our first like literally two weeks with um, Quinlan before she actually physically started becoming like living with us. And then we became guardians. We took her to um, Europe with uh, us and her cousin, with us and Chavi's cousin who had just graduated. And we were like in Europe and Chavi and I have like, we've never hung out with teens before. So we have no idea. So I want like, it's like day two and it's literally 10 o'clock at night. And they're like, um, we're kind of hungry. And we're like, Oh, I guess we should go get some dinner now. It is 10 o'clock. And they were like, yes. <laughs> and they were like, That's oh, great. Now, I guess we should feed you earlier than like when we eat when we're in Europe. So they had to set like an alarm to remind, to remind us that it's time for them to eat. Yeah. I was hilarious. like, just like, I, yeah. we, it was, so I would say, okay, we might need some tips from yeah, your totally. friends, Katie, on how to like. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah so, um, so in, it was a matter of a week. It was super stressful our nephew um had COVID and he was living he was in our basement um our his husband um like also our nephew Raja like had a show that was like literally like like the whole city was shutting down so he was doing this like really important performance and everything was shutting down and Quinlan's school was the first school to shut down because um an administrator in the school also caught COVID. So this is like, mm. it all happened in like a matter of like five days. And I was like, what is happening here? So um, like, and it, you know, uh, in some respects, like uh, what we were able to like that first, I mean, I'm sure you probably like agree with this, that like that first year of COVID, <laughs> that first school year <laughs> of COVID, yeah. I feel like there's two years of COVID right now. Right. <laughs> right. Like, phase but, one and phase two. Yeah. yeah right. That first yeah. like phase, I was like, well, we're just going to have you do like the best you can do. And, um, you know, like, so like, it was, I mean, it was tough. I mean, like, I, like there was a, there's a lot of Minecraft streaming. There's a lot of like TikTok, like, and there's a lot of like, and, and at the same time, like, so going into this next, this next school year, like, um, I was like, Oh, there's something going on here. So I think there's like, like parenting, I think is like, like for me, like I'm like, and like, I'm super observant and I'm just like, and I'm like, just stick to a schedule, like whatever the yes. schedule is. But one of the things that came out of this, I was like, oh wow, Quinlan has like struggles and it's not just like normal COVID struggles. Like there's other things that are going on here. And, and so we were able to like learn that she had like a learning disability and able to get like, get her, like now we have her in coaching and this other stuff. But I think really like, however you manage a team is how you should manage your household right now is my personal <laughs> perspective. Like there's a, and there's a process. <laughs> like, it's great advice. Just do it. Like the silver lining of COVID, right? It's like watching, like being home nonstop with your kid on screen on online school, you get to see like things that you might not have seen yeah. when they're in school all the yeah. time. Right. And there's mm -hmm. someone constantly there, like, yeah. like focusing them because they can't focus, you know, focus, you know, yeah. when you're in class, you have to focus and get work done. Cause that's what you're supposed to do. And you have friends to talk to, to get through yeah. the, you know, if that's difficult, but when you're home by yourself in front of a computer, yeah, that's not necessarily happening. It was really eye-opening. So I, I kind of feel like COVID was a silver lining for us and being able to get the support for Quinlan and help her figure this out. And it's also interesting because I think Quinlan was a motivator for Chavi and I in our business to really start reevaluating that split that we talked about earlier, because we're like, okay, mm -hmm. 
we have an 11 year old in the house. We both can't be leaving at seven o'clock at night to go meet clients. This yeah, was pre COVID. Right. She has to be fed. She can't stay <laughs> home by herself. Yeah, what do right. we do? So I think yeah. that was like a big motivation for us to divide up our duties so that one of us could have the flexibility to come and go. And one of us would be there for Quinlan when she got off of school yeah. and to make sure she had something to eat. And, you know, so <laughs> at which, you know, things, these pesky happen. kids, they need to eat. I know <laughs> <laughs> more than once a day. <laughs> oh my God. Five times a day. Sometimes. Also, right, right. Like what a godsend lunch was at school. Yeah, Right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I really pretty much worked through my lunch hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Now you can do that because oh. like, can you feed me? <laughs> no, right. One more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do. I, like, I have so much empathy though, like for friends yeah. and of ours who like have younger kids because, like, they just it like you know like they just don't have the same like capacity to be on like one of our friends' kids like during mindfulness class punches the computer every single day. Wow. <laughs> like, I was like, oh gosh. <laughs> like, I mean it's yeah, I I yeah. I it we're super grateful that having she's that she's that we, you know, were able to become guardians of her at this age because it's yeah it's a totally I mean we never intended on being parents and here we are. So mm-hmm. it's been great to have a teen in the house. You know, yeah. it's yeah pretty easy for us to maneuver that drastic change in our life with a teen. So yeah. we don't really have a lot of parenting yeah. advice to give. We really just need some. So yeah. Those of you <laughs> well, no, like, 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 like every real estate family though, Kim, we've uh, looped the kids into like working for us. So oh, yeah. That, yeah, she's so trying to like, she's trying to earn money to get herself a gaming computer. She's like, so if I work two hours every day and I'll make enough money in a month to buy myself my gaming computer, we're like, okay, great. You're yeah. 14. That's not child labor. You're old enough yeah. to work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Put them to work. <laughs> like every real estate family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I know we could continue to go on and on, but obviously I want to be respectful of your time. Um, this has been so awesome. I've just loved uh, this, this conversation. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to, to share or cover before we wrap it up here today? I mean, you know, it, what a complicated year. Like one of the things I was noticing is that there used to, before COVID, there used to be all this like mindset, mindset training, how to like, how to bro your way through life. And like, and since then it's like, I think the theme is all about self-care. And I just kind of, I feel like that is just so important. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, this is really self-care. And as our, as our astrologer says, this is the year to be bouncy. Yeah. Like it's not going to go the way we think it's going to go. Be nimble, be bouncy. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't set your path so rigid that you can't stray from it if you need to. That's just, and and radical self-care. Radical self-care is our theme of 2021. COVID has wrecked all of us. It's really (laughs) important to take care of ourselves in spite of the craziness that we have to deal with right now. So, Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it's been really eye-opening of like, it sort of has, at least for me, has been a big reset on priority, you know, priorities as far as self-care and being grateful for health. And I think the things that a lot of us are able to take advantage or take for granted, I should say, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I I love that radical self-care. I'm going to write that one down. (laughs) That is awesome. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, if people are not yet connected with you, what is the best place that people can, can find you or connect with you guys? Um, well, like more things happen on our Instagram account, which is at, 
<laughs> which is at Team Diva RE. Uh, that's like where you get all the cute, like behind the scenes stuff. And then of course, like on the socials, like I'm at, always at Chavi H and Kim's always at Seattle Diva or Seattle Divas. Awesome. On, on the and various they can, socials. They can <laughs> like, go to our website, which is teamdivarealestate.com. Yeah. And they can, massive, if you want to look at all of like, I have done some really beautiful SEO work on our <laughs> listing blogs that are pretty delicious. I just want, I just want people to know, like no one's noticed this work, but it is like a masterpiece. <laughs> so if you want, if you want some inspiration on how to better write about your listings, head to the blog. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, we will link all of those links in the show notes below. So everyone who's listening Yay. can give you a follow and we would love, you know, if, if you made it this far, if you made it all the way to the end, you know, let us know, you know, take it, take out your phone, do a screenshot of the podcast or share it out on Instagram um, and tag us. I know we would love to, to hear what you think and, and to, and to connect with you. So um, thank you both Kim and Shabi. It's always so Awesome to be able to, to chat with you. And I just oh, so appreciate your heart and just sharing, sharing so much today. So thank oh, you both. It's awesome you. to talk to you too. I, I hope we can, uh, you know, break bread together <laughs> in person at some point. Yeah, at, least a class of, at least a glass of wine. Yes, at least a glass of wine. <laughs> 2023 or something like that. Oh my goodness. Yes. I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait. Well, thank you again so much. And for everyone listening, like I said, feel free to connect with Shavi and Kim. We're going to put all their links in the show notes below. And if you enjoyed this podcast, like I said, share it out. The best thing you can do is, is leave us a review or share it out, tell a friend, tell a colleague, get the word out. We, we so appreciate it. So thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, we'll see you soon. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you want more, head over to katielance.com and check out the Get Social Smart Academy. Also sign up for a free email newsletter packed full of great content. Until next time, get social smart.